so you've got to rely on your staff and you've got to you've got to have the courage to say no no you do it you do it and 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 believe that they're good enough to actually execute what you want and in fact what i find like now so as i get a little bit older is they're actually better at it than i ever would have been you know what i mean so it's just letting go of like all those sort of things so that you can you know and you still got to work you still got to have your hand on the till and you still got to coach like never get away from coaching no matter what sort of leadership your position you, you've put in you've got to coach which means you influence the athlete's behavior hello and welcome to the prepare like a pro podcast make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my youtube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview i hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode let's go Brought to you by Prepare Like a Pro. My name is Jack McLean. I'm the host, and today we're lucky enough to have Scott Murphy as our guest. Our key topic for today's chat will be all around strategies for, for managing performance teams, specifically in the AFL. So for our high-performance staff, uh, as well as athletes listening in, looking to increase your leadership qualities, make sure to get the notepad out. And if you're tuning in live, feel free to send in some questions in the comment section below. I'm sure Scott will happy to answer some of them at, at the end of the end of the show but welcome scott thanks for coming on mate looking forward to our chat i'm sure no doubt especially a lot of the snc's listening in will be aware of your background mate for for, for those that are listening in maybe around the world or perhaps the athletes tuning in that aren't aware of your background you might be providing a, a bit of an update on how you started industry and work and roles you've done over over the years yeah i've i've been in the industry for a decade now maybe a bit of touch over three different sports primarily I started off as a track uh, back in the, the, I had a couple of scholarships through the QASA. I followed that through coach. So I gave me a really good basis in strength and strength in terms of producing power and then and, and to preparation and how finite the opportunity in the, uh, in the track and field, precise in terms of preparation. My next sort of foray in high performance, I went over and uh, I did have a little stint at the Lions. I, should, I had a little stint. With the line, there was a strength coach, from, and then when I uh, in my fitness head of department went for Bath Rugby, and I uh, did four years there, and then another six with again had a success talk in both club and I returned back back to Australia. And I am now, now currently in my tenth with the Geelong Cat. Hey, my name's Troy. I'm one of the Prepare Like a Pro Academy members. Um, would highly recommend anyone that's interested in getting into strength and conditioning or just a player that's wanted out their game to, to jump on the academy. It's been such a good investment for me, especially as a beginning strength and conditioning coach. A heap of experience at the highest of levels. Um, and he's got a great knowledge of strength and conditioning, especially regarding um, footballers. The guests that he gets on at the top of their fields are at such a high level, and he really allows me to interact with them and um, ask questions um, and find out information that's really beneficial for me. So without the academy, I wouldn't have been able to um, speak to these high-level people that I really look up to, like Lockie Wilmot um, and Dylan Shill. So um, I think it's a very worthwhile investment. Um, it's been yeah great for me and would highly recommend it for anyone else. That's great career, mate. And from throughout those experiences... I guess more probably specifically sort of early days, who did you sort of draw on the most, who are some strong influences that have helped shape your philosophy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, your first comfort profound, like because you need to form, be about what's in 
important. And the two two mentors that I had when I initially started shaped my thinking. Mark and he was he was an Olympic thrower himself, Romanian, did succeeded and 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 sort of hidden it ran for a incredible life story. Uh, got residence in Australia, and I was fortunate enough to interact with him for, for my philosophy on on strength, which look back at it simple it's a powerful man very closely with in my first job with the qis and he really got me thinking around the psychology of of sport and performance and in the physical sense movement and movement quality because he was a sprint coach himself so i think in a nutshell those two guys really gave me my basis around strength being the foundation for a lot of what we do the mind is being incredibly powerful and you've got to move with some quality and then I, along the way more of my mentors in leadership positions like head coaches, et cetera, that I've had the pleasure of interacting with over the decades. Seems like four pretty key categories for anyone working in elite sport or any any sort of preparation for performance, I guess. is In that order, do you feel like that's not a bad way to sort of go about it If you for, for those young Gary S&Cs listening in in terms of the psychology of it, understanding the, the beast you're working with, yeah. you know, the strength, the movement, competency, and then once you've got those skill sets, it starts to develop your leadership communication. Yeah, you, you've got to be a strong practitioner before you can lead. You need to have a goal of self-belief and you need to understand that you're going to have a million questions and, and challenges that will, will approach you and you've got to have a fairly firm philosophy about what you believe will work um, for the situation and the athletes, that you're the group of the cohort you're working with. So you need to have have made a few errors and had a few successes and wins along the way so that you can you can measure up i think your philosophy is a lot like a a, a river rivers don't turn at right angles when you're young and you're learning your craft you'll read something or something and you'll change you'll shift you know left and you'll read something else or see something else and you'll shift very heavily the, the older you get the more sort of a straight line it has you need to change you need to evolve you need to continue to grow but the challenges or the whatever I read or hear, hear or see or the younger people that I have the pleasure of interacting with, when I'm challenged with those sort of things, they shift my philosophy a little more slowly. So it doesn't turn a right angle, more like a flowing river. And the less turns that river has, the less likely it is to break. Whereas, you know, you'll have a floodplain if you have a really tight, windy, light, windy river. Yeah. I hope people get that analogy. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's the way I like to think. It's that's the way I like to think about it. Um, and the more you practice, the more you practice and, and and interact and have have those wins and losses along the way in terms of your preparation with teams. The more firm your philosophy is, and the better leader you'll become because you've got something to, to measure against. And, and looking back to those that phase where you were sort of discovering what's important, and you had your mentor to sort of lean on. What was some moments or examples where? You identified, okay, that's a pretty critical either mistake I've made there that I've, I've learned from, or that 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 method I worked with there, or something that we influenced, made an impact with, had a really clear, successful outcome, and you and you sort of draw it on that, and you've yeah, I, I like just just in terms of like because most of us are, are, are strength coaches, I probably think in the in your audience out there, and we all we all we all live or die by what goes in the, on in the gym. To a large extent, it, it's it's a huge part of everything we do. So, so my fundamental first lesson I got was that strength matters, and we all know that emp- empirically. But the strength strength is a, is a means to an end, and sometimes you know we're not 
bench pressing or, or, or you know, squatting on the field, but it's all also all the, the translated sort of adaptations that occur from training in the gym. When I was working with a throws coach and a throws coach myself, and I kept on trying to go to speed strength because that's what we we needed all the time without doing enough foundational strength, and I would leave the athletes short. So in track and field, if you cock it up, you only really got two opportunities a year because you have a dual periodization model in Australia. So if you cock it up, you waste half their opportunity and they might only have six, six to eight years yeah. to make an Olympic team and stuff like that. And I was young and stuff like that. And I learned that very, very early on. There is a reason why strength exists and you go through the different different phases of strength progressions and you've got to do it even if you've done it for 15 years. You still got to go back and retouch on things, albeit it'll be less and I'm far more nuanced than I was 25 years ago. Or even you know, probably oh, 30 years ago now, I, I, I'm far more nuanced than that. But I, I, it, fundamental strength is important. Yeah, that resonates. It's interesting. It's probably a tendency throughout that, uh, like you said, a lot of us listening in will be you know, shooting conditioning coaches and you can get caught up in trying to reinvent the wheel at times. And sometimes it might be a method that does help polish it. It can be a bit of a win, but ultimately you've got to keep the basics as your sort of fundamental yeah. focus. It's a great lesson. And I guess leaning on that, what have been some sort of highlights over your career, looking back, that sort of spring front of mind that you're most proud of? Well, yeah. I mean, the first thing we'll, everyone always says is, is results. So, so, so things where you, you've won stuff. So like the recent the recent one a couple of years ago, it, it's ancient history and those things will pass quite quickly. But they're always nice and they give you validation that you, you, you're probably actually okay when you have a few wins along the way. So they're the easy ones and, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to be involved with some very talented athletes and good programs that have manifested in, in, in wins. The other two aspects are, are a little bit more pointed and probably will last with you for a little bit longer. So that's that's the, the individual development of, of athletes or a team aspect that you wanted to do and do it well. So let's say, just for example, you wanted to introduce plyometrics to a program and you fundamentally improve their competencies along the way so the fact that you can actually change something and you see it. The one that we probably will connect with most is, is, is rehab. When you take an ACL, for example, and they come back and they play and they play well, that gives you an enormous satisfaction um, and that probably stays with you a bit longer. But the third level and the most profound one is the connections you make with people along your journey and they're the ones that will live with you for the longest. So it, it, it's it's the friendships you develop, the respect and the connection you have with with your fellow staff members, your, your players, even even to the certain extent with supporters and stuff like that, where you actually have a bit of a connection and they appreciate what you do, and 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 you form things that are a little bit deeper than whether you win or you lose on the weekend. Well said. That's it. It's interesting for someone listening in that might be surprised by that response. So the premiership, obviously, the catch one a couple of years ago. As nice as that is, it's the relationships that you form and those experiences of seeing someone going through hardship like an ACL rehab that, that sort of you feel looking back in, let's say, 20, 30 years will mean mean a bit more than the, than the premiership itself. Yeah, I, I think like but like anyone that's been fortunate enough to win, like you have that exhilaration and you have that, you know, the, the result has the validation of, of what you're doing. But like just the nature of professional sport is like within that and, and we lived it at the Catholic yeah, like the world just moves forward. Like it just, no one cares. Yeah. Oh, the media might care, but like no one cares if you stay in there. If you don't, if you don't roll with the times, like you get spat out within you know a, a, a millisecond. But your friendships should last. Your connections should last. 
the respect for others or people that respect you, that that should last, you know. And that's not to say like you're ultimately always striving, but you've got to get on to the next thing uh, relatively quickly. At some point, maybe, you know, you sit back and you look at it like and, and, and you reflect and you say, Oh wow, that was pretty cool. But like we certainly don't 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 sort of live in the past or, or I don't live in the past at all. Just take less yes. move forward. Yeah, at some point. I, I mean maybe I just, enjoy it a bit more but that's just not my nature to do so and you just it just moves forward you really don't. yeah you're still in it yeah yeah, yeah. and on the flip side mate the most significant challenges you've faced over your career and what did you sort of learn or how'd you grow from those look the the, the i've got better but like this thing that anyone that commits themselves to this sort of role is can and probably will become all consuming at some point in your life that it just you know i <laughs> When you get to the position where you take it, you might only have one swing at it, and, and so you, you tend to become a little. You can tend to become maybe a little bit fatalistic with everything that goes on and what happens, and you can become. Oh, I'm going to control everything. I'm going to make sure oh, I have to do it. I have to do it my way, and, and just has to be perfect. And, and it's never going to be perfect. Let me tell you, like it's never going to be perfect. People will be people, and Ford just throws up vagarities all over the all over the place. So, so I, I think I think all. As I've got better, and I know I used to be like that, but I've got better as I've got a little bit older, and I've had you know a couple of bites at the cherry with a few different places. That that I can give more to my family. I can leave things at work better. I'm not perfect. I, I never will be. I don't think because I I do love it and and I, I want to do well. But I reckon that's the biggest challenge that anyone will face. That mm. that is, it can just become all consuming, and you can actually sit back and say, "Well, I am not necessarily my work." I, I'm I'm more than that, even though it feels like it's everything at the time because it's so important. Because everyone works so hard, like it's probably out of you won't find anyone in a national gym working the floor that hasn't had some story of how I had to go through to get to this position where I got the chance. I'm just not going to cock it up. Not defined by that. And then you could just get in a position where you just lose because you just might not have the players. You have a bunch of unlucky results or, or a bit of dysfunction somewhere in the in the in the, the the management or something whatever happens it might be out of control yeah and, and and just trying to get that dispassionate nature of well there's work being and there's the whole me yeah yeah and it's an ongoing it's an ongoing battle because you know last year was a challenge because because of where we come from yeah but you've got to try and give more to other aspects of your life and yeah so for someone listening in that's sort of going through that at the moment where they're trying to find that balance and getting there you know putting their best foot forward and, and like you said you might be that feeling of it's this is this is your shot at it, and I've worked so hard to get into this position. Yeah. I want to maximise it, but then yeah, family at home or or other aspects of the life that, that need attention as well, and and you want to have that aspect of, that you can you've got some energy for in your life outside of work. Is it a matter of what are some key sort of tips that you've had? Obviously, ten years now at the at the cats, it, it, it's been sustainable for you. So is that setting strong boundary with the club, people uh-huh. with is, yeah. What are some you just you just can't be a lone rider. Like that's the one thing you've got to learn. Like to like you know, like I will be because we are. So so you've got to rely on your staff and you've got to have the courage to say no no you do it. But and 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 believe that they're good enough to actually execute what you want. And in fact, what I find like now so as I get a little bit older is they're actually better at it than I ever would have been you know what I mean so it's just letting go of like all those sort of things so that you can you know and you still got to work you still got to have your hand on the till and you still got to coach like never get away from coaching no matter what sort of 
leadership position you, you've put in, you've got to coach, which means you influence the athlete's behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whether that's in the gym, whether that's on the track, whether that's in meetings, whatever it might be, you've got to be influencing. Preferably that's doing physical activity because that's what we're trained to do, but there, there are other ways that you can do it effectively. So I, I would say fundamentally that, that when you get in a leader position, trust, trust, trust your staff. You know, just just allow them to execute the roles, make it really clear how you want it done and what their what their role is. But they can sort of solve the problems themselves. It just has to be within that philosophy that that you think is acceptable. It might be on the either side of the riverbank to go back to it, but it just it you know let them work within that riverbank because they come up with people are pretty amazing. That's the one thing. Like you know, people think differently and come up with different solutions and sometimes it's cods wallop and that's when leadership has to come in and say no we're not doing that we're doing this sorry but thanks for your th- thanks for your thoughts you know what i mean yeah that's great that's so with them, going back to the you mentioned like even if you're in a leadership position director a performance manager the important still coaching and influencing the athlete i think uh, keeping a finger on the pulse so to speak do you over the years you'd have imagine naturally you have change in your in your high performance team your, your weights coach and your rehab coach and those sort of things do you uh, adjust your coaching responsibility dependent on who's sort of assisting your program or is it uh, how do you sort of i guess make that work amongst the other is uh, the program well it's a, yeah interesting question so like yeah i i will try and get the best people i can who who i feel can can bring an athlete along for a journey in into the building and then whatever their strengths are what they want to do i will try and support that to make it happen so so i've gravitated away from away from strength most most people that i interact with at the moment are, are, are more interested in what goes on in the gym we don't have too many that that are interested in conditioning although everyone has a passing interest in it and a, and a, and a passing and you know, a belief in what they think needs to happen there's not too many people that would say i'm a conditioning coach there's a few that will say i'm a sprint coach because it's it's measured, you know. Like you know, if you can, if you're benching 100, and the next year you come in and you know the, the group average is 110, then you you given your upper body pushing power is probably better across your group. Mm-hmm. So there are things along the way where you can do it. You know, you, you can run a 2k time trial. You can you can do a flying 40 with with hand time and be pretty close to 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 to, to what you're doing. That is insurmountable. Um, yeah. So I like yes, I hear you a little bit, but I, I think we're you know, certainly in the AFL, we've got enough evidence to suggest, yeah, okay, or well, we are, we are, however, hundred percent training availability. But you know, we're only doing twenty k a week. You're not going to thrive, like when it comes to <laughs> to the to the, the actual year, because you just haven't enough work. Yeah, yeah, and, and going into influencing behaviour. So we've talked about the, from the confidence point of view, building capacities and drawing those, and, and yeah, I guess giving the athlete that confidence by. And also ownership that they created those results from the engagement piece. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your favourite strategies to sort of influence, I guess, the lifestyle outside of the time that you're with them when they're away from the club? Oh, create, create a rapport, create a dialogue, build trust, and they will listen to you. If you if if you are a top down school based educational approach, you will be hit and miss. But nearly everyone, if you if they honestly believe you have their best interests at heart. And you honestly, they honestly believe that you are their best chance of performing as well as they can is to is to work with you, yeah. and you'll find traction. So, one on one and individual is is crucial, crucial. 
that's not to say we do need education. We do need we do need to go through the fundamentals of of what the important aspects of of their you know their performance might be. Certainly when they first walk in the door. But I, I'm not sitting Tom Hawkins down to run through his recovery strategies when he's in his 19th preseason this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sitting in a group like he's got eyes are going to roll back in his head. He's all like, "What's the point?" Like Tom, I'll see you at quarter to ten. To get ready for your ten thirty session, yep, cool. It's been there. So it's just it's horses for courses. The first years are very different to the. You know, I mean, not even probably anyway. I think Tom's the only person in his nineteenth preseason now, but in the AFL, so, so it could be different to different people based on the thing. But it, connect with them, try and engage with them, encourage your staff to do the same, get them to feed it through to you, so that you're all on the same page. Don't undercut each other in front of you, in front of the players. You know what I mean? All, all, all those little things. I mean, we all know them, but and sometimes it's very hard when you you have those conversations. And you can say because the players will vent to some people and not to others. You got to have them. You got to hear them and say, "Oh, look, I understand. Oh, look, I'll take it up with them. I'll talk to you about it." Just, just, but the, the, just if you connect with players, you can make you can make changes you need to, and 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 empowering them to understand that they are the CEO of their own career. You know, I'm just I'm just an experienced practitioner that's giving you advice. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You're there for them, like you said, at start. Um, and, and we've talked about like sort of getting those, always those measures or, or something to strive for from a success point of view. When, when let's say, pay availability, or there might be another metric that I imagine leaders understand how important that is, the coaches understand how, how important that is. So when things aren't going well, perhaps in pre-season, how do you then influence the perception that you know, maybe people are sort of you know, jumping in shadows, so to speak, where to actually you know, things aren't as bad as perhaps they seem and yeah, shift the perception of, of key stakeholders that we're yeah, going like better. Everyone, every, yeah. So the, 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 I think the important thing there is you just like never dismiss anything out of hand. No, no, everyone has a different view and a different perspective on, on the same vision. So when you have 20 people look at what's going on, it just might be, yeah, I don't know, I'm not nowhere near perfect at this, but like I, I try to listen. Because there's always something to be learned, and and usually the observations that they have will be around one or two occurrences or individuals that that haven't sort of you know don't don't meet their level of expectation. Not it's not a group thing, and and so just trying to don't don't ram data down their throats because you can pretty much pitch data to tell any story you want. We're all in it together. We're all on the same page. We'll all have the exhilaration of winning and the, and the disappointment of losing together. So I'm hearing you. Do you have a solution? What do you think? And then that just the solution you just, you know, and it's actually probably a, a microcosm of a healthy environment when people are questioning. These conversations happening. You know what yeah. I mean? People are questioning things and saying, oh, I just don't think we're doing the right stuff. I think we're doing too much of it. I think we're doing too little of it. Like, yeah, by the way, we've just done two hammies in a fortnight. Like, What's going on down in the gym? Well, hang on, hang on. It's not just that. It's it's everything that we've been doing. And like it's also on the athlete. Like, you know, what do they do over the weekend, et cetera, et cetera. We'll review our processes. What are your thoughts? Yep. Oh, oh you know, like and, and because sometimes they actually do have like collective experience, you know, I might have thirty years of experience. It only takes two coaches and you've probably got forty years of experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? You multiply yep. that quickly and all of a sudden you'll be at you'll be at 150 years of experience of key stakeholders that have seen a lot over the journey. And then any suggestions that you have, you're just going to marry it up against your river of philosophy. 
your philosophical river. That's probably a better way to put it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then ultimately, as the HBM, when it comes to your area, that you need to put your 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 stamp on it and make the decision. Yes, we're doing that. No, we're doing that. And you live or die by the results ultimately in terms of how it pans out. But just mm-hmm. yeah, listen to it. You know, you'll express your private frustration always because it is frustrating um, because they don't see a sliver of what goes on. Yeah, the other thing I would say is to help that situation is take people along for the journey. Oh, look, this is this is the this is the you know, the, the plan, and yeah, well, I know we're not doing a lot of speed at the moment, but we're doing some really heavy strength at the moment. So this is why we're not we're not I'm not chasing that really high end speed. There's a reason for that. This will bleed out over the next six weeks, and we'll really wrap this up. And I think ultimately by the end of the preseason period, we'll actually end up with some more high end speed. That's just an example that's practically not really applicable, but but just yeah, get, yeah, yeah. like the process. It's the HBM, you're just pulling levers. You can do more or less or different. That's all you can do. <laughs> um yep. so so well, yeah, that's that's how we sort of interact and, and that's the decisions you have to make as an HBM. Yeah, lovely. I appreciate it. that's uh great explanation to the insights and I guess the thought process to be able to keep keep everyone on the same page. In in terms of adapting your strategies uh, to keep things, I guess, exciting for the players. Is that something that you, you have had to manage over the years, um, particularly as we've been there for a decade? Like, or have you kept kept you know, things quite consistent, whether it be testing protocols? Or- yeah, testing. I've been pretty consistent. I don't do a lot of I don't do a lot of testing, so it makes it a, it makes it fairly simple, and I, and I sort of make it a little bit of an event when they do do it. So they actually they actually quite enjoy it, and I and I try to make it. I try to make it a point that it's the individual contributing to the group when it comes to a test, not an individual test. You know what I mean? Like we're 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 trying to raise trying to raise the bar across the board here. The way to do that is to declare all your poor runners unavailable, and it's just yeah. so. But it's also circumstantial. But but it's to do that, it's to de-emphasize. They just got to own it anyway. Like ultimately, it is what it is. Just to own it and let's get on with it. So, so strategy changes along the way. Yeah, like just I don't I do I tend to start with a blank slate every year. What do we want to do? What do we need to do? Like when you go through your review process, and then we're right from there. So you never, I never start off with a cut and paste scenario and, and adapt. I always start with a blank slate. All that blank slate looks the same. You know, I've got a, a page with Monday to Sunday across the top of it. What's my training structure going to be? Okay, let's talk to the people, the key stakeholders that can help me make that decision. Let's ask the staff, what do you think? All right. Okay. Well, that's the first thing. That's our training structure. Now we can build the bones. What What are the aspects that we're lacking in? Where are we lacking in the gym? What are we good at in the gym? Where are we lacking on the field? What are we good at on the field? Where are we going to go? What do you think they're capable of actually getting to? And that's the strategy piece that you work through. And it takes quite a bit of time, but I don't. Yeah. The, the while there'll be aspects that the players will recognise, oh, I've done this before. I don't think they will ever say that they've been through two preseasons. That they probably think would be the same over the ten years. It should always feel yeah. it. should always feel it. And, and you do have to. Just, you need. You want to get strong, lift some weights. You want to get fit. You better run. Better do some footy. If you do those, it's just happen different. You know, yeah, yeah. You think just cut it up in a way that 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 I don't I don't do funky zany things. I'm not very good at that. So like little team things or you know you know those little exercises and doing that I mean we do like a bit of competitive stuff but like I'm just matter of fact like 
boys have got to do the work. It's a little bit different for last year. This is the changes. This is what we're doing. We're, you know, just changed the way that the paradise or, you know, we're going to go very hard with this or the structure of the week's a little bit different or whatever it might be. It, it should feel different. Uh, I think that's always been important for me because blank slate, really daunting, really daunting. It's really easy to say, hey, we did this. And look, I probably didn't get it right last year. This is going on, but but I didn't repeat what I did in 2022. People might call me a nut for not doing that, but but we, we did change it up a little bit. Because there's always different players. Like you've got to think about most of the list, you'll have at least eight people turn over. Yeah. So yeah, I, I started with the Cats. There's only Cam Guthrie, Mitch Duncan, Tom Hawkins, and I'm going to miss one here, Ted Buse. So there's only four, four players out of 44 that are still on the list from when I got here. So I could go back and probably get what I did 10 years ago. No, not that. Yeah, you're constantly evolving, but it does give you the opportunity to ch- challenge yourself. Like, because once you've written something down, like personally, I always find it more difficult to change than if you start with a blank slate. Then how about like, the? You go. Sorry, I was just going to say, and a blank slate it feels more rigid once it's already been written down. I mean, like, because then it's like, oh, they want to change that, and you're you're in, you're, you're built into all of us. It's like, no, no, I've written it. I've made the effort here. Like, I'm not changing it. Because it's perfect. Yeah, true. And I mean, yeah, even yeah. though you know it's not, but like you become defensive. If you yeah. start with a blank slate each year, knowing that you've got your fundamentals to get through, it's how am I going to cut it up? Well, how are we going to cut it up more importantly? Yeah. 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 And, and I guess we're pre-season now, but in-season, what has your approach evolved on how you, how you manage the in-season? Obviously, AFL, for those listening, it might have been it's a long, long home and away season, then you've got the finals. Yeah, has your approach evolved from a physical sort of preparation point of view? I think over my journey at the Cats, we would do more work in season now than we would have done in, say, the first five or six years. So for those people that that don't know, don't know AFL, the Cats have been contenders now for a a long, long road, predating me by a long way. A lot of other people did some very good work before I got ever got here. And have always been in there or thereabouts with finals. I think in the last in the last fifteen years, we've missed finals twice or so, something like that. Which last numbers are, and so you just constantly. For, for, so for us as an organisation, it's never really been get to finals. It's about winning finals, and so it's like how do we prepare for that as well as we can? Yeah, you I know. Like yeah, we fell short last year. You know, competition evolves. Our players get uh, get a little bit older. We got to find people that can carry the load going forward so there's always there's always challenges there so yeah let's maintain in terms of specifics make sure they run fast we can't go week to week and just think they're going to be fine in an in-game scenario because they won't make sure they lift and keep lifting heavy you should aim to get stronger as the season goes on through exposure yeah you'll be you'll have some compromised days but you shouldn't go into a maintenance phase if you can help it there's always an aspect in the gym that you can try and make them better um, the conditioning wise is, is is the one that's a little bit more challenging. So the conditioning space, my personal belief now is that you just need very small pockets of of intense stuff. So it's, we'll do things like fifty meter shuttles, thirty meter shuttles. That's quite short and sharp and to a certain extent. We we don't do any any longer intervals or anything like that in season. I may have been a couple of decades ago. Whether it's right or wrong, it's just it's just you've just got to have a philosophy and, and, and believe it and sell it to the players that this is what I we believe you need to do. And then the fundamental thing is like I, I think 
we're pretty good now and probably everyone is at reacting to the game load in terms of the way we pitch things for certain individuals and that's certainly got a lot better along the journey and and, and I think coaches have got much better at that and much better at their understanding of that 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 if, if someone has fence where they run greater than 90 percent effort that we might actually ask for an extra day's rest and recovery or if someone's game load is is 20 percent less than normal well look there's a bit of an opportunity there if you want to do something specific fighting the 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 you know fighting the the, the, the the guidelines for the coaches and their buy-in and their their, their belief and confidence in, in, in us to do that job is it's high and that's it's probably a reflection of a reasonably high functioning organization i suppose going back to finding those those pockets that oh, oh yeah no, it's just it's slip of mind now yeah i'll come back to it i'll come back to it just go with the question sorry yeah yeah so the finding the conditioning so i imagine obviously the schedule in terms of eight day breaks and buys and bits and pieces yeah. would be an influence on that are there other things in terms of the time of the year you know, you talk you things that people hear about timing your run, like you just talked about the importance of winning finals. So is it like a mini little conditioning block that happens to prepare for, for September? And yeah, talk us through sort of is it the, the who you're playing on a weekly basis, the, the level of competition or rivals? Does that influence your decision or when those pop um, depend depends on circumstances and depends what your win loss column is like and your injury situation is. The we will Short answer is yes, but it's not as profound as what it might be perceived outside. Because if you actually look at their energy expenditure over the course of a week, we've got 50% of it will be the game, probably probably more because the recovery required from that game with all the collision, et cetera, is greater. And then we're talking about little pockets with respect to what's going on after that game that I don't think it's found it just you just need to touch into that higher end stuff when they're ready it's like almost like worst case scenario that might last 90 seconds and they go oh wow we that was hard it's just almost the mental reminder that when they do if they do face it they're ready i've been here i felt that because you can you can get into just the rhythm of you know game to game to game but yeah so if you run fast you take care of a lot of it because it indicates i think they're healthier they're motivated they'll do it so so that's it. But you do need you do need a little aspect in there where we just touch on it. And if you can do a little bit of a break, a little bit of a block, but it's always you're always a slave to your schedule. Always. You know, and you get back to that troubles five day weeks, so only man out, it it's it's difficult. And not everyone, not all the time. Not, I mean if you don't ask then people that that me are probably doing it and fact that are working in the AFL. Um, but we've tried like different layers of people. So you might have four groups and you have two on and then one off or, or everyone doing it at once, all those sort of things. As long as you're doing something and you've got a strategy and it's not going to compromise too much what you're doing on the weekend because that is the greatest stimulus that they will get. You just got to be reactive to their individual loads, I think, along the way. That almost the psyche aspects that connecting back to it, the importance of a role that we play is to give the athletes confidence. So. Is that another aspect of that, finding those pockets to, to keep the, the team yeah. feeling like they're ready for? 100%. So, so yeah, if they face, when they face. And because it's like in, in, in finals, it's always like it's, it's an accumulation of small moments. Yeah. If someone makes a decision not to chase just because they've got a little bit of junk in their legs and they're just like, oh, the moment's gone. And it's just a notion of those sort of things. So, yeah, like just, and, and, and almost if you, if you talk about it, 
it's almost as you know as powerful as if there is any physiological benefit to it. It's just like we're prepared, boys. We were really well done. Don't be afraid of getting cooked in a in a final or run out of steam or whatever it might be, because we've done the work. We continue to do the work. It, it, it is hard because you do you do you do do so much more work in an off season compared to what you're capable of doing in an in season. Certainly in a training sense, but even in an overall weekly sense, it's just the game is that tough. Like it's you know it goes on for, for you know one hundred and 110, 115, 120 minutes, you know, and some people are running 16K and, you know, falling over in the ground 40, 50 times and get up and keep going. It's a real demand to go. And on that 23, 23 games, 10 years. Yeah, I guess for that, for those that are questioning, it's almost like the energy system development work is primarily done in off-season, pre-season, and then when you're in-season, there's the more or less you, you work on that psyche from preparation point of view and also using your t- tickets, like whether it be that, 50% of your total loads or less, like I said, pretty much of the football in hand or tactically, technically, they're doing something with the football specific. And there's not a lot of time of, like I said, the longer intervals. That's simply because you don't want to affect the most important stimulus being game day performance with the fatigue effect. Yeah. So as I said, it's just like, it's just preparation for me for worst case scenario, which yep. worst case scenario is probably not going to last longer than 90 seconds. You know, where they've really got to go, 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 go. And so you, you might do two bouts of that. And that, and that can be hard. I wouldn't run yeah. initially for 90 seconds, but they, you know, they might do a bunch of really short, hard intervals that'll last sort of that long, have a little break, go again. So it's not a lot. Uh-huh. That's, that's the sort of worst case prep where they feel horrible because of the energy system demand where they don't shunt into that again because the ball exits and they, you know, they downregulate and stride and stuff like that. Yeah. But they're doing like, yeah, there's people that have better finals records than what we do. It's just our consistency and longevity of competing. I think it's probably the, the standout feature of, of what we've been able to get to with the Cats. 100%. There wouldn't be many uh, happiest uh, supporters, I imagine, than the Geelong Cats. So, like you said, over the last 15 years, there's always a chance every year you're getting your money's worth as, as a membership, that's for sure. We've unpacked a fair bit over the last hour. Uh, so is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to, I guess, elaborate on from when it comes to strategies and, and, and the team dynamics of high performance in specifically the AFL? Oh, no, I, I just think that, that, that yeah, I know I know, I know a lot of people out there will be just, I just need the opportunity and they crave it and they're just, they're just looking for it. And I mean, and even, even yourself and you've been through a journey, I know there's, that, that's, it's, it's difficult to come by, but if you just persist, keep connecting with people, asking questions, learning, growing, and unfortunately, you just got to be in the right place at the right time for the right fit and 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 it might not be through through the you know the, your capacity your ability to be a really good snc coach it's just sometimes a lack of opportunity unfortunately that that's just reflective of the fact that this is our sports industry there are a lot of qualified people out there for very few positions so persist keep trying to get better keep practicing craft keep experimenting keep learning keep growing building your philosophy and so you can tell a story when you ask a question and what you have done and 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 what you've learned from things i think that's pretty crucial yeah so that from an interview there that you would have interviewed a lot of candidates that's the stuff that makes a bigger impact is the is the storytelling and the ex- yeah. and talking drawing on experience yeah yeah drawing on experience like it's this number one thing in terms of 
oh, when I did this with the athlete and, and this went really well, this went wrong, or I had this conflict with this coach or player, whatever it might be, and this is what I learned from it as real life experience. And it doesn't matter like what environment it is. It just shows that you, you, you're willing to, to learn and you're willing to reflect. And if you're, willing, if, if you're able to do that, most people have really good, sound, technical capacity and knowledge. It's just, it's just like, can you interact with people? Can you be different things, different people, but be consistent? So it's, it's you know, everyone's equal but different, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you've, can, can you actually do that? And can your stars align in terms of opportunity, like in the right place in the right time so that, so that it just so happens that the that, that, that stars will align for you? But, yeah, telling real-life stories is this is what I've achieved, this is what I've created, this is what I've learned, this is what I'll do differently next time. For these reasons, etc. Uh, hopefully, people still got their notepads out, and, and that's some good reward for for those who listened uh, over an hour um, to uh, yeah take that on board. It, it speaks probably to two things: the importance of building experience while you're doing your studies, uh, and of course, then being able to focus, perform in an interview, and, and talk on your experience, which probably settles the nerves a little bit because you've actually lived it. Uh, in your last three questions, mate: in your work life, any pet peeves? Anything that sort of fires you up from an industry perspective? Laziness kills me. Don't really any favorite way to spend a day off when you get one. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I get plenty. I make sure I get plenty now. I'm, um, well, I don't get plenty. I, I, I get more than I used. So, so family trying to trying to prevent the ravages of age in terms of getting some exercise done and then yeah, it's like reading fiction for me. And obviously, the recording here is January of 2024. What's on the horizon, mate? What are you most excited about? Oh, I'm just looking forward to getting back into it with the, with the group tomorrow and, and and the players and and just being the best possible version of ourselves we can be this year. We had yeah, we've had a good opportunity last year with 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 the way things finished and giving us the extra training time. So I think we utilised that really well as as a, as a club. We've just got to build on it. As I keep telling them, they're just ready to work. And if we just keep working, we might get to that thriving availability. If we have thriving availability, we'll be very competitive, I think. So, yeah, that's what's yes, just to the here and now for me. Do as well as we can this season. And as I say, blank slate next year, and we'll sit down and work out what we need to do. Yeah, love it. Oh, I can't thank you enough, mate, to be able to um, share your, your story in elite sport, the 20 years in a leadership position and, and 10 years in an AFL clubs. Really incredible and inspiring for myself and, and of course all the listeners so on behalf of everyone Matt that's tuned in thank you for, for coming on and sharing with us your time and like you mentioned you start, you start back at t- tomorrow as well so last I guess day of holidays if, if you want to call it that but yeah really appreciate you coming on Scott and thank you for everyone that's tuned in if you've tuned in halfway through make sure you listen to the very start so live on our YouTube channel until we post it on a podcast in the next couple of weeks our next live chat lucky enough to have Nick Paulus on Who's the HBM at, at GWS? That'll be 4 p.m. next Thursday, 18th of January. So look forward to seeing you guys then. Thanks again, Scott. Welcome, Jack. All the best. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as QA segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that to fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that 
with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their N of 1 experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, like game game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was, uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um, yeah. so that's that's been huge um i think i wish back then when i was younger i asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things mm -hmm. i think i was a bit single-minded back then and um you know i thought there was one way of doing things and um if i kind of didn't have that fear fear of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment it would have got me a lot further and i probably would have learned a lot quicker um and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest.
If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.